0: Today we're going to talk about obedience. So if you would join me in your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen here too to John chapter 8, uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, today is a, a m- one of many times where Jesus says something that is not easy to hear. And it was wasn't easy to hear for the people then, and it's not easy to hear for the people now. And so uh, I want us to uh, take a look at this because it's... Imperative that we understand how obedience plays a role in leading us to freedom. I think each of us would desire to be free in our lives, uh, but we might not agree on what freedom is. So let's look here. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. Uh, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really or truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You've heard that before a lot, right? Uh, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. So these types of teachings, uh, when he says, you will, if you hold to my teachings, if you continue in my teachings, if you obey my teachings, then you will truly be my disciple, can be really difficult for us to hear because sometimes we're a caterpillar trying to be a butterfly. That's all we want to become. And one day we will become a butterfly, but right now we're just a caterpillar. And God is is showing us through Jesus that He's he's gentle, yet He's um, majestic. That He's powerful, yet He's still kind. That He's holy, and He's still approachable. And that He's just, but He's also kind. And we say through faith that we're going to be like Him. And we're like, I'm just a caterpillar. That's a butterfly. And so it can cause us to feel inferior. It can cause us to feel like less than, or that we're missing the mark. So, how do we get to grow in our Christian walk? How do we become, take those next steps to become that butterfly that God's called us to be? And and it it comes down to Christian growth. And when I asked you earlier at the beginning of the, or before we started the sermon to say, grace be with you, uh, I did that because in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, at the very beginning of the letter, verse 2, Peter writes uh, and he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. When he says, may it be yours, grace and peace be yours, he's not saying, well, I hope one day you find that. What he's saying is, by the authority of who Christ is, it's yours. Now, where I tend to miss it a lot is, like, I don't feel that peace a lot. Like, there are things that go on in life that tend to rob me of this And there are things in life that make me feel unworthy of grace, which is always the case. If I was worthy of it, it would cease to be grace. Amen? So that song we sang, I will keep my eyes above the waves and I'll call upon your name. Anybody ever get distracted by the waves of life? And instead of looking to Jesus and calling on Him, you're just like... Look at the waves. Look at this. Do you not understand what's going on here? We're gonna sink, and God is desiring us to look to Him. So Peter, uh, Peter writes, "Grace and peace be yours in the in abundance, and this is an overflow of grace and peace through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory." And goodness his divine power has given us everything and then verse 3 verse 4 excuse me says through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires all that to say is that God has planted a seed within us to where that caterpillar is going to become the butterfly. That that seed that's planted will become fruitful and will um, have a harvest. And that seed that He's given to us is that He's made us partakers of His divine nature. That we are partaking. So God is living within us. That there is a rebirth. That we are born again. We are born of the Spirit. When we call on the Lord as Savior, we become partakers of His divine nature. So instead of me feeling defeated, what I should understand is there is a promise that God has put within me that He is bringing to pass. And my my job is to be focused on Him, to focus on His promises, and realize that this work that He has started in me will work itself out until it will be perfected over time. God's going to do His part, but I have to do my part, and my part is tied to obedience. You ever heard that the maxim of forest is in an acorn? Anybody? No? no, A few of you? All right. Some of you are nodding along because you just want me to get hung up here. You're like, just keep going, Daniel. Uh, so there's a, there's a maxim that a forest is contained within an acorn. And so, but that acorn is all this potential, right? It's planted. It needs to be nourished. It needs to be watered. It becomes a tree and it will multiply even more. So there is an, an acorn of divine nature that God has planted in our hearts. And so what is it? It's going to cause us to blossom and to be fruitful. We need to be watered and nourished. And so our potential that God's given to us re- is released in a few ways. Um, the Word of God is one of those things. We, it, and it's not just spending time in devotional, although that's crucial to do that, but it's also allowing the Word of God to be what it is that we pursue as well, not just something we do as an obligatory discipline as a Christian but then we crave the Word of God. So the Word of God uh, nourishes us. There's prayer that nourishes us. That's vital to your life. Uh, If your prayer life is anemic, then you as a Christian will be malnourished. Mm -hmm. Fellowship, which is what we do here at church, is we we partner with one another. We encourage each other in the faith, uh, whether it's um, uh, here on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. We have this fellowship together. But the simplest and hardest way for us to grow is through obedience. It's doing those things that God has called us to do, even though it may not make sense to us, even though it may seem very difficult. But that is what we're supposed to do. I don't have it on the screen, but Philippians 2.12, you're probably familiar with that, where Paul writes to to work out your salvation. And he doesn't mean like work for your salvation, but he's like, you got to work it out. You have the salvation, but you have to do your obedience part and, and take that power and work it through your life. It's like when you when you mix, uh, when you're cooking and you and you have some... Uh, some mix for a cake or whatever, and you throw that chunk of butter in there, right? you got to whip that thing up, right? All right, you got to work that out in your salvation so that it permeates through your life. And there are no updates that you can download to shortcut this process, unfortunately. Uh, I wish there were. I would have paid whatever the cost to do that. But it's just good old-fashioned obedience on a day-by-day basis. Freedom, when we think of that uh, as a culture, I believe it's fair to say that most people think of freedom today as, no, I rule myself, that I'm the boss of my own life. Don't tell me what to do with my life. It's my choice. We think of that as a self-ruling uh, freedom. Uh, American freedom is difficult to understand in a biblical understanding from a biblical standpoint as well, because we live in a country that is free, that has all these wonderful freedoms, and that's great. But it can easily step over into our Christian understanding of who God is because instead of July 4th celebrating our independence because, you know, taxation without representation and now we're free, you know, true Christian freedom is is the opposite of independence. It's dependence. We find our freedom when we are truly dependent on God not independent on our own, but when we find ourselves fully dependent on Him. There's a, I think Tim Keller is where I got this part from, he uh, said that freedom is the fulfillment that comes when you're doing what you most deeply desire. That's kind of what the world thinks. When you're doing what you most deeply desire, that's when you're truly free. But the Bible says that you can only have this freedom when you're completely dependent on God. It's not about just following your deep desires. It's about following the way God has designed you and finding your purpose and being dependent on Him. So there's three principles we can look at today. Uh, in order, we'll start with number one: three principles of obedience. And it's the person of Jesus is who we obey. The person of Jesus is who we obey. And uh, you can probably just write down one word: person. If you want to keep that as a, we're going to have person, method, and then result. If you want to write, you know, remember those and just. Three words but the person of Jesus who we who we obey the reason this is important is because the essence of Christian obedience is not a list of do's and don'ts it's not about do this don't do that it's about a personal allegiance to Jesus instead of I pledge allegiance to the flag we we pledge our allegiance to Jesus personally as a person Jesus wants us he says um, well we'll look at that in a second He wants us to call him Lord, to be under him. And so this table right here is an impersonal object. And it is perfectly appropriate and right for me to use this object for my goals. It's not a person. It's not here to, uh, it has its own goals. I'm not robbing it of its whatever, you know, I'm not taking away from it. I'm using it for our goals. The question is, do we do that with people? Do we look at people as ways for us to meet our goals? Oftentimes we can do that with people to where we're just using them for our own benefit. We can also do that with Jesus to where we're not acknowledging Him as Lord, but we're trying to use Him to a means to our desired end. The greater intimacy you have with Jesus as a person, the more love you're going to have for Him. And the more you're going to desire to obey Him. In John chapter 8, verse 31, this is where Jesus talked to the Jews who believed in Him. And He said, If you hold to My teaching, you are truly, you are really My disciples. And so to be Jesus' disciple, disciple literally means follower. You are desiring to become like Him. You follow Him around and you learn from Him as you're in His presence. And we are to do that, to be in His presence, to learn from Him, to follow Him in order to become like Him. But we do this very clearly on His terms. And that's difficult for a lot of us. Because we have a tendency as people to know and believe that we know what the right terms are for our life. These are the things that need to happen in my life. And so what we need to do is step back and say, there's a person that I am to obey. Not a principles that I'm to follow, but a person of Jesus. And the more I get to know Him, the more I'm going to want to follow Him, and the more I'm going to be like Him. And the question you have to ask is, who is my Lord? Somebody, I mean, you're, you're worshiping something or someone. And if it's not Jesus, you're replacing it with an idol. That could be self, or it could be someone else, or it could be a desire you have. But the question is, who is your Lord? The person of Jesus is who we obey, not the principle. The second one is this. Our method is disciplining ourselves to obey the truth. Our method of obedience is learning to discipline ourselves to obey the truth. Christian obedience is about... learning the process of doing the hard things that are not easy to do. Thus, they're difficult. (laughs) And so you have to make that choice. In verse 31, uh, in verse 32, I'll read 31 again. It says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that hold to my teaching part, if you hold to my teaching is uh, if you continue in my, in my teaching, if you keep going. Mm-hmm. And I thought of, hey, Ezra, he's, he's got a great smile. He's smiling right at me. Just caught me off guard. Sorry. Um, and so uh, <laughs> um, he's a cute baby. He's a cute baby. Um, so it means to continue in. And, and my first thought when I was thinking of, of like, continuing in the word of the Lord was, was Dory from uh, the, the movie Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Remember that? And so uh, that's what I thought of, and I, and I think, man, that, that can be a really heavy weight to carry, but it's, it is kind of good to remember. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, you're going to fail. That's fine. You fail forward. Keep going forward. As you, as you fall, remember to keep going forward. It also means to stay put, and it means to stay in a place and to settle down, to live there, to live in my Word to hold to my teachings. It means to settle there, to stay there, whether you're in private or whether you're in public. To stay in the Word of God. Not stay in the things of the world that you want, but stay in the teachings of God, the truth of God. That's where God is wanting you to stay, to live. To settle in there, to live in the Word, private and public. The Word of God is to be the center of your life. If you find yourself uh, filled with worry and criticism and self-pity, then those are one of, or a few of many indications that the Word of God is not dwelling in you, because all those things are conquered in the presence of God. So it's not an indictment that you got to do better, it's an invitation of Jesus saying, come to me, the person. Come to me, you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, come to me is what Jesus is saying. It's a personal invitation, not an indictment. And the enemy likes to come in there and just throw shame at you. Shame is one of the most motivating. Oh, what did I hear this? Oh, it doesn't matter. Podcast. Heard it from a podcast somewhere. But he just talked about fear and shame are two of the most motivating things for people, and it can lead you to, to, to get into like cults and, and things that are, that are unhealthy for you. It can keep you in a cycle of, of brokenness. And so when you, when you see your failures through the Christian lens, through the what Christ has done for you, it doesn't pour shame on you. It pours glory on Jesus because He took your shame for you. So it brings freedom to you. But that obedience is how we keep coming to the Word of God and we live there. And it's something that's going to just chip away little by little. And, and we'll have those breakthroughs, sure, in time too. But little by little, I'm trusting you today. I'm obeying you today. And I want your Word to live within me. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to truly... Be your follower. The method is disciplining ourselves to be obedient to the truth. There's nothing really, I mean, exciting about that. It's just like you get to just make the choice little by little to do what God's called you to do. And the third one is this. The final one is the result of that, of the person of Jesus, um, is the one to obey. And the method of disciplining yourself to obey the truth that Jesus tells you, the result of that is freedom. The result of your obedience to Christ is true freedom. And freedom comes from discipline. And it's the only way for us to have this freedom that comes from God. So they answered Jesus. He said, The truth will set you free, right? And the, so they answered him and said, Hey, Jesus, um, I guess you don't know your history or your uh, the, you're not current on what's going on here in the world today, but we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone, right? Almost like three snaps in Z formation, all right? That's kind of what it was. And so he said, how can you say that we'll be set free? They were offended. And I think this question is, is very relevant for where we are today, because if you go to someone and say, Jesus will set you free from your slavery to sin, they'll be like, I don't have, I'm not slave to anybody, right? I'm my own man, I'm my own woman. So they were offended. So Jesus says, well... Here's the deal, guys. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. You can read the rest of the chapter 2 and you can see it gets a little uh, little salty a little bit after that too. They, they argue a little bit, but Jesus, of course, he wins the argument. Um, but this is what they're saying. they just just saying... If, I set you free, you will be free indeed. And this is where the authority of who Jesus is comes into play in our lives. If Jesus says something is true, then He has the authority to back it up and, say, and, and to make sure that it will come true. So we need to default into what He has said and put our faith and trust in Him, knowing that if He says He will set us free when we obey Him, then we need to walk in that freedom. You are free when you give yourself completely to Jesus. That's where you'll find your freedom. You won't find it in any other way. But when you give yourself completely to Jesus, not part of yourself, not your weekends, not your, you know, a few hours here and there, but when you're completely given to Jesus and He's the Lord of all of your life, you will find freedom. And this has been has felt like an indictment to, be, to me this week as I've looked at this. And I've had to preach to myself that it's not an indictment. It's an invitation. That Jesus says, I want more of you, Daniel. Here's where you're still holding on. You're still trying to do it by your own strength. And I need you to trust me. I need you to come to me. And He's inviting you to do the same today. God has designed you for several purposes. We did the purpose, purpose-driven life back when COVID hit which was great to go through. And you know, we learned that there were five purposes, but, but God has created you for His purposes. And anytime you try to live outside of His purposes, you're living outside of the way God's designed you and purposed you. So you can't be free. There's, it's like a sailboat is most free when it's being sailed out in the waters. And the wind captures the, the sail, and it's just going free. Now, what if that sailboat or the captain of the sailboat says, you know what, I want to take it off the New York Harbor over here and I'm going to sail down Broadway on the streets. You think that's, that's pretty stupid. You know, why would you do that? You're not designed to do that. I mean, yeah, I guess you could probably make it work, but you're going to have to tow it and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a mess. You're living and operating outside of your design. You're most free when you're living in the design that God has given you. Your purpose in life is to live the design God has purposed you for. And to be honest, if we, uh, which I hope to always do, I don't know why I start with that. You know, but now I'm going to be honest. I've been lying to you <laughs> until now. Um, but if we, <laughs> if we think about um, I'm—you know the, the cultural, I'm free to follow my own thing. I want to do my own thing. I think if we can really get down to the, the core uh, of that, and talk about and flesh it out, we would find out we really don't know what we want. We change our minds often. What we wanted yesterday may not be what we want today. Certainly, as I get older, I think back to when I was a kid or a teenager and what I wanted then, I'm like, I didn't know anything. And I'm probably gonna have that again in my next decade. Like, when well, I really thought I knew a lot in 40, when I was 40-something. 44 That's how old I am. <laughs> you know? But as you get older, you, know, you keep changing. Our desires change. What we need to do today is drop the desires that enslave us so that we can be free. Just say, all right, Lord, I don't. the desires I have that are enslaving me to, to do this and that, I'm just going to stop that. I'm not going to desire that. Lord, I desire you. I desire you. I want you to help me become that butterfly that you designed me to be because I can't change on my own. Psalm 1, if you just want a good scripture to, to read through over um, this next week and think about living out your purpose, this is a great one. And even thinking about like an acorn becoming a forest, it takes time. You're not going to solve all your problems this week. In fact, I think sometimes the more you endeavor to follow Jesus, the more stuff happens to you. And it's a, it's a test. But it's a good thing. God's, God's with you through these things, but it's a, it's a steady growth where every season, I want to be this way. So uh, Psalm 1, uh, it'll, it'll be on the screen too if you want to follow, but it's the easiest one to find. It's right in the beginning of Psalms. Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. So this is where you start to remove the desires that enslave us in order to be free. But blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. There's that holding on, this continual of the Word of God. I'm meditating. I'm desiring to know the Lord's Word all the time. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, and it yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The godly man or woman delights in the law of God. I want the word of the Lord. We meditate on it day and night. We love to have God tell us what to do. That's where we need to live. God, tell me what to do. So I'll finish with this. As you look to Jesus, remember that Jesus delighted in His Father's will. He delighted in His Father's presence. He got up really early in the morning, before 10.30. He got up in the morning, really early before anyone else was awake, and He went and spent time with the Lord, with His Father. He lived within His purpose. When everyone was trying to get Him to do it their way, Jesus said, over and over, I'm going to stay on task. And because of what He's done, this Lord Jesus has the authority to set you free. And He has the authority to cause you to live within the design that He's created you for. You can fulfill your purpose that God's given to you through Him. But the question you have to ask on a daily basis, is Jesus my Lord? Is Jesus my Lord? And I believe that we're going to say resoundingly together, Yes, He is. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank You so much for uh, Your Word and Your promises that were true then and are true now and will be true for eternity. Thank You for watching over us. Thank You for desiring to pull us uh, out of slavery and, and to, to rebirth us as children of God who walk in freedom by Your authority. For each person here, Lord, I pray that you would just minister to them exactly where they are and may your Spirit whisper or speak loudly, whatever you need, Lord, but Spirit move in their hearts and draw them closer to you. May we all find delight in you. Not delight in what you can do for us, but a delight in your presence. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we ask that you would Stir our hearts, not only to know you more, but stir our hearts with a deep desire for our neighbors to know you and for our family to know you. And whenever we see the the trials of the world coming at us, whenever the trouble is there, instead of being overwhelmed by their threats, may we be overwhelmed by your presence and find strength in you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.